Hey guys, welcome back to the She Roams Wild podcast. My name is Alexandria and this is my show. In today's episode, we are going to chat more about finding a van and my thoughts when it comes to choosing a layout that suits your lifestyle. So if you didn't already know, I recently purchased my first van. She is a 2020 Ford Transit with a 148 wheelbase and a high roof. Now, this has been a longtime dream of mine since high school or even before, honestly. And so I'm super excited to get started on this journey and can't wait to share it with you all. Before we get started, I just want to acknowledge that it can be really overwhelming when you start looking at all the technical details of a van and van life. And so I'm going to walk you through step-by-step the ways in which I combated this fear and uncertainty over purchasing a van and picking a layout that worked well for my lifestyle. So once I knew that I wanted to pursue van life, I had to start from square one. You know, I took a critical look at my lifestyle and how I wanted to live. I think it's really important when you're doing this and when I was doing this to be really honest with yourself. I had to acknowledge that my life wasn't going to magically change just because I moved out of an apartment or a house. Like realistically, I'm going to be the same person just living in a van instead of a house with four walls. My lifestyle in particular is fairly outdoorsy. I love to hike and bike. Uh, During winter months, I'm a big snowboarder and skier, and so I knew that I needed something that had enough space for all of my gear. But that can be really tricky with a short wheelbase. You know, I'm super limited to the amount of room that I have inside the cab of the van. I believe it's about 65 square feet, which is not very much when you're considering you have to have your kitchen, your bathroom, your sleeping area, and your garage all squeezed in there. And so with this limited amount of space, I knew that something I couldn't sacrifice was standing space. I needed to be able to stand up in my van if I was going to be living in it full time. Therefore, I needed either a medium or a high roof. Now, I'm about five foot five, and so a medium roof would have worked for me probably with you know insulation in the floor and the ceiling. It would have been a little bit tight, but I would have still been able to stand up. But then not only is it pretty tight when you go to get into a lofted bed with a garage underneath, I know that some Something I would really like to do in the future is to be able to host people. Whether that's going on a camping trip together or just having somebody in the van for dinner, I needed there to be enough standing room for the people in my life. And although I'm only five foot five, everybody in my life, my brother, my parents, my friends, are all taller than me. Some of them are even over six feet tall. And so a medium roof really would not work in these cases. The second thing that I knew I would need is to have a van that can travel in all seasons. I needed something that could travel safely in snow and over ice without being super concerned about the weight in the van. Now you might be thinking, well, this is all vans, right? All the weight is in either the front or the rear. And so how can you know for sure which is going to handle best in the snow? I've read a lot of different blog posts about this and watched many YouTube videos about this. And the biggest difference between vans right now, at least the ones that I was looking at, is front wheel drive versus rear wheel drive. There are all wheel drive vans out there, but personally, it's just outside of my budget. You know, the Ford Transit is, I believe, $52,000 or $53,000 for the all-wheel drive model, and I would have had to buy a 2021, which would have increased the price even further. And so looking at my two options, rear-wheel and front-wheel drive, I heard a lot of mixed reviews. You know, some folks said that it's important to have the front-wheel drive. It handles better, and so it doesn't matter where the weight is. It's just going to have a better turning radius, and it will handle better in snowy or icy conditions. Other blogs? 
blogs said, well, all of the weight is in the back. You know, almost two thirds of your weight in this cargo van is going to be where your build is, where my kitchen, bed, shower, and toilet are. And so this made a lot of sense to me. And I quickly realized that if most of the weight was in the back and the front wheels were the ones with power, I might have an issue with my back wheels spinning and not being able to transport me places. I have seen many videos of folks who drive Ram Promasters, which are great vans for a lot of reasons, but when they get into sandy or snowy conditions, they really struggle because all the weight of the van is in the back and that front wheel drive oftentimes is just not powerful enough to drive them up a hill or to get them out of sand or snow. And so knowing that I wanted a van that could handle all seasons relatively well, I knew that I needed a rear wheel drive van. In addition to needing rear wheel drive, I also knew that I would most likely be living in a city for the first chunk of time that I am living in the van. I work a nine to five job and will be living in the Bay Area for quite some time in this vehicle. And so I needed space to live and to be comfortable, but not so big that I wasn't going to be able to park in normal sized spaces. So even though an extended van was really attractive to have, you know, an extra two feet of space in the back to be able to have more room for my garage, maybe even a full sized shower, I knew that it was going to make my life really difficult, at least in the short term. And so this is something that I might look at if I end up building out a second van in the future. But for now, I needed that short wheelbase. So this left me with two options. I could either get the 144 Sprinter or I could get the 148 Transit. So having those two options, the next thing that I needed to look at was reliability. You know, as a solo female, I want to make sure that I'm in a reliable and safe vehicle, that I'm not concerned all the time that it's going to break down or if it does break down, I don't have any options to get it fixed. And so because I'm not planning on traveling with a lot of tools, I definitely won't be able to work on the van myself. I needed something that was easy and even cheap in some situations to fix and maintain, which if you can see where this is going, that means no sprinters. Sprinters are known for running forever, especially if you get a diesel and a lot of people really love them. But something that became really quickly apparent to me after speaking with folks who drive and own sprinters is that although they can be really reliable, when they do break, you're kind of stuck. You have to go to a sprinter certified tech, which oftentimes don't exist in small towns or mountainous areas. And when you do get to them, they're really expensive to fix and maintain. And so I didn't want to purchase, you know, a really expensive van that was going to turn into a money pit as soon as it started having problems. And I just didn't want to put myself in a position where I could end up being stranded or put myself in a position where I would have to spend extravagantly to get myself to the nearest sprinter dealer. So with those criteria in mind, I finally had a target, I knew what I wanted, and it was time to start looking for a van. For those of you who have been following along on my YouTube channel or Instagram, it might seem like it came out of nowhere. Like one day I just decided to purchase a van and that was that. And you know, that week I went and bought it, but that was far from the case. I have been looking for vans for well over a year, actually. You know, right before quarantine had started, I started seriously looking at vans on Auto Trader and Craigslist and Marketplace to start doing some market research. But I'll also admit it was because I'm kind of a chicken and I'd been looking at and dreaming about doing this for so long and just never was brave enough to commit and do it. Doing this research was super important because it not only allowed me to really solidify in my head what I wanted, but it also allowed me to start comparing vans to see where they were more reasonable or more expensive, what was realistic in terms of the mileage that I was going to be purchasing a van at, and then also the condition of the vans. Was I going to purchase an old work van that might have, you know, some marks and scuffs on it that could potentially be open to rust? Or was I looking at a newer van? And for a long
long time, I was super against even considering a new van. I didn't think that it was a responsible use of money. I didn't think that I needed it. And I really didn't have an issue with some cosmetic, you know, bumps and bruises on the van. Doesn't really bother me. You know, this is going to be my house. Yes, but honestly, it's going to happen anyways. And so whether I purchase it with it or I do it myself, it's not really that big of a deal to me. I started this search with a pretty narrow window of opportunity for myself. You know, I had very specific criteria for the van and I was finding maybe one or two a week that actually fit my standards. And so I realized pretty early on that I needed to set larger price ranges and mileage than I realistically wanted just to see the full spectrum of vans and get an idea for the entire market as opposed to just one or two vans that might fit my specific criteria. And this research phase lasted, like I said, almost a year. But after months of looking, I started shopping around a little bit more for loans that I might be able to finance a van with. This is super important if you're not able to purchase a van outright, you're not paying cash for it. If you are going to finance it, it's really great to know what your rates are going to be, get an idea of where your credit score is at to see what you'll qualify for, because that can be the difference between paying, you know, $1,000 in interest or four to $5,000 in interest. Maybe that's not a huge deal to you, but for me, that made a big difference in the sticker price because I knew that I was signing up for a loan that was going to be a lot more than what I was actually purchasing the van for. I made sure not to do any hard credit polls until I knew that I was ready to purchase, just estimates at this point, which is not always the most accurate way to get a loan because you're not entirely sure of what their rates will be until you actually have your credit pulled. But the reason that I did this was because as long as you're pulling your credit you know, multiple times with multiple banks within a week or two, I believe, period, it will not show up on your credit score as multiple credit polls. It will just show up as one because it shows that you are searching for something. You're looking to finance something and you're getting a couple of different rates. And so I waited to do any hard credit polls until I thought that I'd found the van that was right for me. Most of this was taken care of in the space of about a week. I think the first credit poll that I did was on a Thursday and then I purchased my van by Tuesday. And so I really tried to condense this, but I did shop around. I think I applied to six or seven different banks to try to get a better interest rate. To give you an idea of what these looked like, I think the worst interest rate that I got was about 7.9% and the best interest rate and the interest rate that I settled with was 3.2%. So as you can see, that's a large difference. It's over double what I ended up getting. And I'm really glad that I ended up going with the bank that I did because vans are not cheap. And although a 3% loan on something that's maybe like a phone, like $1,000 might not be a big deal as long as you pay it off quickly. These loan terms are often a lot longer than a year or two. They're typically in the range of four to seven to even eight years. And so having a loan for a lot longer with a lot higher interest rate on a large sum of money is going to really add up over time. If I would have taken that 7.9% interest rate on a van that was about $35,000, I would have ended up owing almost $8,000 more than I would have if I got a loan at 3%. Now, again, this is over the course of many years. It's not that I would have owed that much more money right off the bat, but it does add up. And so if you're trying to watch your finances, be really careful with the type of loan that you end up signing because you don't want to get down the line and realize that you maybe made a decision that wasn't the best for your financial circumstances. So once I had an idea of the type of van that I was looking for and the loan roughly that I was going to qualify for, it was time to post my car. And I would say that this was probably the most challenging part of this process early on because it meant that things were getting real. I was selling my main method of transportation and once I didn't have a car, yes, I could go buy another car, but this was me committing. I was saying I'm selling my car, I'm selling my belongings, and I'm 
I'm getting ready for van life. This also gave me a good idea of what I could spend. You know, I did finance my last car and so I did still owe some money on it. And so I wanted to get at least the value of that loan back so I didn't end up paying more. That was thankfully the case. I was able to get multiple hits within a day that were super close to my asking price. And so I decided it was time. At this point, I buckled down on the van search and got ready to sell my car. Now I had a couple of different options when it came to purchasing a van. I could buy a new van, I could buy something used with low miles or something used with high miles. And you might ask, you know, why would you purchase a used van with really high miles on it? Honestly, it just comes down to budget. I personally was not willing to purchase anything over 100,000 miles at the beginning. And then I realized that at 100,000 miles, most vans, unless they have like a special extended warranty, do not have any coverage. And so if something goes wrong at 101,000 miles, I am fully responsible for that cost. And so not only have I just spent, you know, $25,000 on a 2015 Ford Transit, but now I could be out a couple thousand dollars more if I had to, you know, replace or fix the transmission, replace head gaskets or another part of the engine, etc. And so this really freaked me out. You know, I didn't want to purchase a home for myself that was going to immediately start breaking down, which pretty quickly took high mileage vans off the market for me. So now I was looking at used vans with pretty low miles and new vans. And as I said, I was super against purchasing a new van at first. I didn't think that it was necessary. I didn't need a new van and getting something with, you know, 20,000 miles on it realistically is almost a new van for the type of driving that I was going to be doing. But the more that I searched, the more that I realized that the difference in cost between getting a new van with, you know, zero owners, I would be the first owner on it versus buying a van with 10 or 20,000 miles on it was almost the same cost at the end of the day. This is for two reasons. One, as I was mentioning, interest rates are extremely important and typically you can get a better interest rate on a new van than you can a used van, which was definitely the case for me. When I went to get an interest rate estimate on a used van, a Ford Transit that had about 15,000 miles on it, they qualified me for 5.99%. But when I went to look for a van that was a couple years newer and did not have any miles on it, I got a loan that was 3.5%. And so not only was that a big factor for me, but also again looking at those factory warranties were important because as I mentioned I will be solo on the road. I don't want to have to worry constantly about my van breaking down, about it going out of warranty, and about things breaking as soon as it does go out of warranty. And so knowing that I was going to get a van that did not have any miles on it versus something that had 20 to 30,000 miles on it was going to buy me an extra year or two at least without any major mechanical issues. And if it does for some reason have mechanical issues, it would be covered under the factory warranty. The second category of options that I had were location. So I could purchase something locally, I could purchase something on the west coast where I live, or I could go across the country. And I honestly explored them all. Used vans are super hard to find right now on the west coast, so I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to find something at first that fit my needs. I was looking, you know, all up and down California and Oregon and Washington, and most of the vans were, you know, fifty to sixty thousand dollars. A lot of them were the brand new all-wheel drive models, and the ones that did exist had, you know, 60 to 70,000 miles on them, which I was trying to avoid. So with these two options seemingly out of the question, I began searching across the country. I was looking at Maryland and Massachusetts and Connecticut. I found a couple of vans in Florida and Georgia, and honestly, for a while, I was seriously considering purchasing a van sight unseen and having it shipped across the country. But after looking at the cost of doing that, you know, it's going to be about $1,300 in shipping fees 
fees. I would have to pay out-of-state fees since I wasn't local to that dealership. And then on top of that, pay California taxes regardless. I was going to save about $1,000 to have a van shipped from across the country where I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how it drove. I never actually got to see it. And so with all of this, I decided that it was time to try and buy locally. Now, once I made this decision, it was like magic. I almost immediately found the perfect van, but it was new. And I didn't want to spend this amount of money at first. And I went back and forth a lot. I actually missed out on three different vans in my area that came and went within a day because I just couldn't decide if I really wanted to spend that amount of money. But I reminded myself that I really wanted a warranty. I wanted to be the first owner if possible, if I could afford it in my budget. And I didn't want to have to pay delivery fees. I decided that the next van that popped up, the timing was going to be right. And as long as the van fit my criteria for my lifestyle, you know, that short wheelbase, space for a garage and rear wheel drive, I would take it. So for two days, almost solid, I went back and forth with two different dealerships. One was going to get me an interest rate of about 4.5%, possibly even 5%. And the other was quoting me at 2.99%, which makes a big difference again when you're spending this kind of money. So that was a really big deciding factor for me in which one I wanted more. But it's also important to note that the one with the higher interest rate, even though it was the same body style of van, it was also a turbo, which could be really nice to have power on, but down the line, they could require more maintenance, the engine might not last as long, and it was something that I honestly just didn't know a lot about, and so I was a bit nervous spending that kind of money on something that I didn't fully understand. This decision, though, was made for me, because about an hour before, I said, yes, I will go ahead and buy the turbo, it was sold. Somebody walked onto the lot and bought it immediately, which really speaks to the fact that it is super difficult right now to find these vans on the West Coast. That van actually sold three times within a day, people putting it on hold, someone walking onto the lot and saying they wanted it and changing their mind, and then someone buying it right before I was going to. Honestly, it was a blessing in disguise. I'm super glad that I went with the dealership and the van that I ended up purchasing. I know without a turbo, I won't have quite as much power, but I'm much more comfortable driving a van that I understand and that I, you know, have a good maintenance schedule for and not anything extra to do to it. I also am really happy that I went with this van because it does have zero miles on it or 12 technically. It had 12 miles on it as opposed to 15,000 miles that the turbo did. And in addition to that, I also got a much better interest rate. Even though it is decent financing, I do plan on refinancing this as an RV once it's fully built out because oftentimes you're able to get a better interest rate on it. In addition, I will be switching over over my insurance. Right now I'm with Progressive and my insurance is about $350 a month, which is absolutely insane considering that I drive, you know, less than a hundred miles a month right now. I'm working from home and I'm not traveling in it yet. And so I'm really excited to both refinance this van and then also to get better insurance on it. So if you all want to hear how I'm going to insure my vehicle and all of my belongings and my build, make sure to stay tuned as I will definitely be making another episode about that when I go through that process. So you might be thinking, awesome, you bought the van. How exciting. You must have been so stoked. Uh, but after driving the van home, I was immediately overwhelmed. And this was both good and bad. You know, a part of me was super excited for this new challenge and adventure that I was embarking on. And also really proud of myself for finally taking the leap and pursuing a dream that I've had for a long time. But the other part of me was thinking, what did I just do? Did I just take on more than I can handle? And I have zero building experience. 
how am I even going to make this happen? I went to bed super nervous and unsure. I even cried twice that night um, out of both nervous excitement and fear, but also I knew that I was finally committed. You know, I had sold my car, I had sold some of my belongings to purchase this van, I had paid the down payment and signed all the paperwork. Like I was doing this thing whether I wanted to or not anymore. Um, thankfully, I of course do want to and I am very excited about it, but the sticker shock was definitely there and I was really overwhelmed for the first 24 hours. For those of you who don't know me, I do struggle a lot with anxiety and it was definitely at an all-time high this week. When I woke up the next morning, I was really hoping that I would feel better and that all of my worries would be gone and I would realize that I'd made the right decision. But unfortunately, the nerves were not gone and I will be honest, I still have butterflies in my stomach now weeks later. However, I realized that nearly all of the big and scary things that I've done in my life and all the risks that I've taken have usually turned out to be some of the best decisions and periods of my life where I've had the best memories. And so I knew that this wasn't a guarantee, but I told myself that that I just needed to start. I needed to buy the materials, I needed to design my build, and just go for it. I had already gotten this far, and I just needed to continue down this path and trust that following my bliss was the right decision. So now that I'd committed, it was time to start building my van, and I already had some ideas in mind, but I had never put them onto paper. I've changed my design multiple times since then, but I finally feel like I know which products I'm getting and how it's all going to fit together. So if you're in this process as well, just know that, you know, work it through a couple times, draw your design out 10 times, 20 times, make it perfect, and don't be afraid to change your mind. You know, it's so much easier to change your design or your layout on paper than it will be to build build out your entire van and then decide that you don't like something. Now, I know that there are going to be plenty of things that I decide later on that I shouldn't have done or that I wish I would have done, but I can say with confidence that what I'm doing now is the best that I can do for myself right now and that that just needs to be good enough. If I decide that I want something different later on, I can always build out another van or add on or remodel this van. So in the shell of the van, I knew that I needed insulation for all season travel. I decided to go with Thinsulate body insulation to save some space, but also because it's non-toxic, it doesn't shed, you don't need to worry about, you know, inhaling any VOCs or other issues that you might have with some of the fire retardant insulation that other folks buy. And it also has a really high R value. Thinsulate is made by 3M and it's also what ends up lining a lot of synthetic outdoors jackets. So think like Arcteryx. All of their insulation, as far as I know, is Thinsulate unless you get the downfill. And so I knew that it was good stuff. And even though it was more expensive, insulating my van properly was going to ensure that that I was comfortable in the long term and that I would last in both high temperatures and extremely low temperatures. The second thing that I knew was non-negotiable was a heater. Now I'm planning on putting this under the front passenger seat, but I'm probably going to wait until a little bit later in the build just because you can wire it into your van later on as long as you set up the pre-wiring properly. And so while I will be setting up the pre-wiring pretty early on, I don't actually need to install this heater now. I will probably wait until I put a swivel on the passenger seat to just do it all at once so I don't need to keep taking that front seat apart. Now, many people don't have heaters, but again, I wanted to be comfortable in the snow and in all conditions. And so the last thing I would want is to be under like six blankets in the back, shivering myself to sleep because I didn't want to spend a couple hundred dollars to heat the van. I'm not entirely sure which brand I'm going to go with, but right now I'm looking at the Wabasto or an S-Bar heater. I have seen some people do the Chinese diesel heater, I believe it's called, and I don't really know a lot about them. So I do need to do more research on this, but for my 
my understanding, the Wabasto and the S-Bar are a lot higher quality and tend to last a lot longer than other cheaper options. And so I'm going to try and invest in quality pieces here so that way I don't need to just keep spending money to replace parts down the line. And the next thing that I knew I needed in the van was a cooktop. Now, this is kind of controversial. A lot of people say don't waste your counter space. Just get a little camp stove that you can bring out during meal times and then fold away and put away when you're not using. While I totally understand the efficiency and economy of that, you know, saving counter space in an already tiny van, I have been looking at a couple options that are only 12 inches wide and so they won't take up too much of my counter space. My kitchen layout is going to afford me about four feet of cooking, cutting, and cleaning space and then I'm also going to have a pop-up butcher block that will swing up behind the passenger seat to give me even more space. And so I'm not super concerned about that since I am just a solo person in the van, but it does leave me with two questions, induction or propane. Now there's a couple benefits to both of these. The induction is great because it's not hot to the touch. You do need to use a specific pan to make it hot and therefore it's a lot safer for you if you like accidentally touch the top of your cooktop since it is such a small space. The propane on the other hand is a little bit dangerous in that sense because if you don't have a carbon monoxide alarm and you're not sealing your propane shutoff valve properly after you're cooking you can get a buildup of carbon monoxide and that is super dangerous and so if I went the propane route I would have to make a sealed box that vented out of the van probably down the side or out the door to make sure that I was staying safe. The big benefit to propane however is it's a lot more cost effective. I don't need to invest in a massive battery bank or more solar to power it. I can also get a lower watt inverter, which is going to save me a couple hundred dollars. And in general, I would need less propane than I would electricity to cook my meals. And so since I do plan on cooking most of my meals in-house, I don't plan on eating out a ton, I want to make sure that I have a continuous source of fuel. And so propane is great because, you know, if I'm out in a big snowstorm or if it's been raining for a couple of days and I haven't had great solar battery charge, an induction stove might pull too much power from my van and I might not be able to cook or if I chose to cook, I might not be able to run my lights or charge my laptop. And so there's some issues there as well where you have to be extra mindful of the power use, where you have to be extra mindful of your power use if you do go the induction route. Now, that's not to say that induction is terrible. I just haven't decided yet if it's worth the investment. To give you an idea of the different costs of these two things, an induction stove is about $190, the one that I've been looking at, and a propane stove is about $120. Not a big difference in the grand scheme of things, right? But the induction stove is going to require I get a 3000 watt inverter, which is about $150 more than a 2000 watt inverter. And it's also going to require that I not only get an extra solar panel to charge my batteries, but that I have almost 500 amp hours of batteries in the van. I am going to go with lithium batteries because I want to be able to safely discharge them down to zero as opposed to AGM that you can only discharge to 50%. And so when you factor all of these things in, the induction stovetop actually ends up being a lot more expensive than the propane stove. The propane stove, however, you need to be mindful of the fact that you'll have to have a little propane bottle somewhere, and so that will take up space. As you can see, there's a lot of different factors here, and I really have not made up my mind. But whatever I end up deciding, I will make sure to let you guys know so that you can learn from my own mistakes and decisions and hopefully make a more informed decision yourself. All right, so that was a lot of non-negotiables in terms of the shell of the van, so let's jump into the living room.
living space. Now I've already mentioned that I need a garage and a loft bed to hold all of my gear. I have two bikes, I have a snowboard, I have a set of skis, I have camping and backpacking gear, my water tank and my batteries are all gonna go back there. Essentially, I just need a lot of space in my garage, probably more space than anything else that I'm going to need in the van. And so having this lofted bed is going to be crucial in allowing me to bring all of my gear with me for all the adventures in the future. The second thing that I need in my living space is a shower. Now this is extremely controversial. I know a lot of people say you don't need a shower. You can go to gyms, you can go to truck stops, you can shower outdoors, which are all true. I wanna acknowledge that that is all true and I will most likely be doing all of those things in the future as well. But seeing how the last year has gone and hearing stories of other van lifers who suddenly lost their ability to shower in a gym, truck stops no longer felt safe or some of their showers closed and they were living in cities and didn't feel like they could shower behind their van, it really kind of freaked me out. Um, I originally was thinking I didn't need a shower either. Those are all great options. I can be dirty for a day or two. It's not a big deal. But again, living in a city, having a nine to five job, and also all of the things that I like to do being outdoors where I'm going to get sweaty, muddy, or salty in the ocean, it's really important for me to feel clean and to stay clean on the road. Being a solo female, I personally don't feel super comfortable just getting naked behind my van in the back of the van and stripping down to nothing in a parking lot. I'm sure that a lot of girls do it and that is really brave of you, but I would just be super freaked out that I would like forget my clothes, that I would be naked and someone would just like walk up and try to do something. It's all a little bit too worrisome for me and so I have decided to put a shower in the van just for personal comfort and convenience. Now with this, I have recently changed my design slightly. I originally was planning on doing a shower that went all the way to the ceiling, which is a lot of space in a van this small. And so knowing that and now having the van where I can actually mark things out on the floors and the walls, I decided to make a compromise. I'm going to be doing a half height shower that has a butcher block counter over the top of it when it's not in use. That butcher block will be able to swing up and latch to hold it in place. And then I will just have a curtain that's going to come up around me. It's definitely not the most glamorous, but it will work. It'll allow me to stay clean on the road and to shower safely inside my van without being super concerned all the time that someone will see me or that I'm actually putting myself in a dangerous situation. I'm also going to use this space as a bit of storage. My toilet is going to go in this area. It will allow me a bit of space, you know, almost waist height if I want to put wet gear in there, if I want to put a wetsuit in there, etc. And so this will be definitely a multi-purpose space and I am trying to make the best use of it so as to not just have a big box in my van that I can't use for anything other than a shower. Now I am a bit limited because I purchased a 148 wheelbase non-extended. You know, having too fewer feet than a lot of folks do when they build out their vans definitely is going to come with its own set of challenges. I'm trying to keep as open of a concept as possible, which will be minimized slightly by having a loft bed. But to try and combat this, I'm going to have some bench seating with storage underneath. The passenger seat will swivel around and I'm going to have that lower shower with countertop on top of it when it's not in use. In addition to this, something that I went back and forth on for a long time was whether or not I wanted to have a partition between the front cab and the back cargo space. I know a lot of women use this as a safety mechanism as well as just dividing the living and working space from the front, but I decided to not go that route because I did want that extra seating in the front. I wanted to be able to sit up front and work on that butcher block or to host people in the front area of the van, you know, between the passenger swivel and the bench seat. And so not having a partition here is really going to help open things up. 
So even though it seems like I might have a lot of this figured out, there is still a lot that I really don't know. As you heard, I've been going back and forth almost every day on having an induction cooktop versus a propane stove. And with that, the solar and battery setup that I'm going to need. I know that I want lithium, but how much do I actually need? If I have the induction cooktop, that could almost double my need for battery and solar. And so I'm gonna be considering that over the next week or so, and hopefully come to some sort of decision that will allow me to move forward in the build. The other main thing that I'm uncertain of right now is the toilet that I'm buying. And that's super important because in the next week I am planning on putting in my floor. And if I do wanna go with a nature's head composting toilet, I'm going to need to vent that out somewhere. And so, and so I might not need to make that decision right now, but I will need to make it soon. Obviously I am still figuring some things out, but I feel really good about the progress that I'm making so far. You know, over the past few weeks, I purchased my van. I stripped out all of the guts, you know, the stock flooring and wall paneling. I just installed a Max Air Fan, which is up on my YouTube channel. If you have not already seen that video, I purchased insulation and began framing the ceiling and walls so that I can install that this week. And just yesterday adhered sound deadener to the walls to reduce noise on the road. I also just purchased some rear facing windows, which I am terrified to install, but I guess we'll get there when we get there that are on back order. And so I'm hoping that they come in the next couple of weeks, but that will be the next major step that I take with the van most likely. And then from there, installing solar, pre-wiring the van and moving on to framing. So with everything I just mentioned, you might be wondering how much I've spent so far. And I want to stay super transparent throughout this entire process and be as honest as I possibly can so that those of you who might be considering pursuing this lifestyle yourself have a good idea of a benchmark or what you might be able to estimate yourself getting into. And so, so far my build cost with the max air fan, insulation, framing, sound deadener, and rear windows has been $2,000. The most expensive part is definitely to come. I'm getting ready to buy my electrical setup, which is going to cost the most by far, especially because I want lithium batteries, but I might be able to reduce that cost without the induction cooktop, which is making it seem even sweeter right now. All right, you guys, that is all that I have for this week. I hope that this episode was helpful for those of you in the dreaming or pre-purchase phase of van life, or if you're just listening to learn more about what goes into this lifestyle, I hope that you found it really interesting. And if that is the case, please consider giving this show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help support the show and also allows me to connect with the greater van life community. In next week's episode, I'm going to be taking a slightly less technical approach and talking about van life as a coping mechanism. You know, are we using this to run away from our problems and create a dream life? Would we be doing this if social media didn't exist and much more? And so if these topics sound interesting to you, make sure to subscribe to the show so that you're notified every Tuesday when I post. Thanks again for spending some time with me today. I'll see you guys next week.